three, two, one. Hey, everybody, welcome back to System and Soul. Chris White and Benj Miller coming at you today. And uh, we're really excited because we have a friend as a guest today, and he's John Ott. And John is the operator for Exceptional Leaders. John, welcome to System and Soul, brother. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Benj. It's great to be here with you guys. So I'll set this up. I've known John for over a decade, but it's really within the last kind of year that I've gotten to really know John. Uh, maybe six months, and just have quickly, deeply come to love and appreciate him, his being, and work, what he does, which is leadership, coaching, executive coaching, but in his way of saying it, he makes work suck less by helping leaders not be jerks, and I like that. Um, John, how, let's, let's back up, how did you get to this place where you are you're like a young sage, not an old sage, but you are truly providing deep leadership to leaders from all across the country. So how did that mm. come to be? Well, that's a good question. Uh, ben, you know, what comes up for me is um, I never knew what I wanted to be when I grew up. And um, so I didn't, I didn't like pick this point and run toward it. I had a mentor who said, if you can figure out what you're curious about and you follow that path, You'll, you'll find yourself among a, a group of people who's uniquely qualified to do some special things in the world. And so um, I identified three driving curiosities for me. Uh, they're around leadership and organizational dynamics, um, personal formation and development, and the third curiosity is around communication. So the, the, the three questions for me is, um, how is it that groups of people can work together to accomplish amazing things? I'm, I'm captivated by that. I'm fascinated by that, which I think really is the study of leadership and group dynamics. The second part about um, personal formation, transformation, et cetera, is the question, how do people grow and change? To me, that's a fascinating phenomena. And then the third around communication is um, how, does, how does effective communication work? How do you effectively convey ideas and thoughts from one party to the next such that the other person actually grasps what it is that you want them to grasp. And so I think at the intersection of those three curiosities um, has found me working with leaders and working with organizations, specifically leaders and organizations who want to grow and want to uh, be uncommon people and achieve uncommon things in the world. Hmm. That's so cool. I love how your curiosity even led you to phrase each one of those. And, and you've got a key question yeah, that revolves around each one of those curiosities. I love that. I'm um, I'm so drawn to the second question, how do people change? But let's hold on to that one for a second. Sure. Let's go through them because you actually have a model um, driven by some data for some attributes of leadership. So talk us through those. Yeah, yeah. So um, I, I work with uh, my partner's name is Vanessa Kiley, and we have a good friend named Tim Spiker. And the three of us have not only been friends, but have been colleagues for at least a decade. Um, and one of the fascinations that we share together around leadership, a conviction I would say that we share, is that historically leadership is a notoriously squishy word. That's a technical term, squishy. And, and to us, what that means is um, that, that leadership is like everybody gets to define what, what leadership is and effective leadership. And there's not, a, there's not a generally commonly shared 
definition of that. And, and we rise and fall on our definitions. So when we say, is somebody a good leader? By whose definition? And so one of the things that we set out to do was to, it's a little ambitious and, and may sound a little bit uh, presumptuous, but we set out to create a model that says, this is everything that it means to be an exceptional leader. It's, it's mutually exclusive and collectively exhaustive. This is everything that it means. And um, there's a lot of detail to it. We can get into that another time. But there's also some simple parts to it. And, and simply, we've, we have identified the 10 things that all leaders do. And I can run through those for you real quick. It's, um, and, and I want you to pay close attention to this because there's a, there's a key question in here. And that is, which two of these 10 account for three quarters of a leader's effectiveness? So we're going to come to that in just a second. But here, here's, here, here's, here's, here's the 10. Um, it's communicate effectively, unleash motivation, inwardly sound, cultivate talent, others focused, pursue vision, drive culture, think strategically, marshal resources, and ensure execution. Now, we, you, you can dive into this some more another time, but I believe everything that a leader does will tuck up underneath those, those 10 uh, key attributes. And the question is, which two of those account for three quarters of a leader's effectiveness? Now, what I need to say about that before we get into it is that this wasn't something that John and Vanessa and Tim sat in a, uh, you know, in front of a whiteboard and just said, what do we think are the two things that drive a leader's effectiveness? Mm -hmm. You know, certainly there's a conviction there that not everything a leader does is equally important or equally valuable. I think all leaders know that intuitively. The question is, what are the few things that we do that truly are the most important? And um, Tim and Vanessa actually did a research project based on this. And it's where the stat, it's where the data came from. It's where the insight of two of these factors account for three quarters of your effectiveness as a leader. And it could be a whole uh, podcast discussion for another time about how that research all came together and how, um, what were the data sources, et cetera. So which two of those account for three quarters of a leader's effectiveness? And um, when I ask a leader that, when I put that question in front of leaders, they, they have a guess. Now, both of you have already heard that question and you already know what, the, what we discovered in the research project. But a lot of common incorrect um, answers are communicate effectively. Like that's the most common incorrect answer. Yeah. And uh, I think people are really right on with that because they know that, that nothing can happen if we're not communicating effectively. Um, vision is another one that's really common, yeah. Yeah. really common. And it makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Yeah. Because without vision, people perish. If you don't know where you're going, you're just a person sure. taking a walk. Well, that goes back to your definition of leadership too. Like mm. Steve Jobs, is he the world's best leader? He was, you know, Elon Musk, is he the world? Well, it depends what we mean by leadership. That's yeah, right. Exactly. That's right. That's right. And then, you know, another one, another one that's really popular is uh, drive culture. And it makes all the sense in the world. I think there's that Peter Drucker quote that, that culture eats strategy for breakfast. And it's like, well, yeah, of course, culture is super important, but that's not the answer. That's not what the data said. All right. So what did the data say? Yeah, tell us. Give it yeah, to yeah, us. Yeah, yeah. So the two things that account for three quarters of a leader's effectiveness are being inwardly sound and others focused. Now, again, this is not what we just decided the answer was. This is what the data actually said. Um, and by the way, that data came from, uh, you know, not from some squishy, soft industry. It came from the construction industry. 
Oh, interesting. 20,000 leaders in the construction industry. No kidding. Yeah. And their followers are the ones who said the most effective leaders are the ones who are inwardly sound and others focused. I never would have guessed that that would have been your, your, the, 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 the targets. <laughs> oh my gosh. That blows me away. Well, you might think if that was the case in a helping profession or in a therapy world. Sure, yeah, that's nonprofit. Not, my mind something. did not go to construction. I can tell you that. Mm-hmm. That's fascinating. Isn't so, it? so inwardly sound. What do you mean by that? Yeah, so we've got definitions for all of this I mean, stuff because it's all important. dysfunctional mess. I know, right? <laughs> right? And, and I've got the jacket for that club. Man. <laughs> so inwardly sound is it, it starts with being self-aware with being in an ever-deepening discovery of what it is to be uniquely you, coupled with an ever-expanding comprehension of how you affect others. That's what it is to be self-aware. That's the doorway to becoming inwardly sound. Okay, so it's self-aware, principled, purposeful, holistically healthy, and secure and settled. Hmm. So you think about the best leaders you've ever followed, and what we know is some of the worst leaders we've ever followed were insecure people. Yeah. They lacked self-awareness. They didn't seem to have a purpose to their life beyond making a few bucks. They weren't principled. You couldn't count on them from a character and integrity standpoint. And they weren't holistically healthy. They were just a rolling dumpster fire hmm. uh, of a person, always frazzled, always worn out. So anyway, that, that's, um, that's how we talk about being inwardly sound. Today's episode is sponsored by Keystone Search. CEOs, owners, and visionaries, having the right integrator can literally create rocket fuel for your business. Hiring the wrong one is expensive and can even damage the business you've worked so hard to build. The team at Keystone Search is expert at helping visionaries hire their ideal integrator. Keystone has conducted successful integrator searches across the country, and they are proud to say when EOS Worldwide needed a new integrator in 2016, Keystone was the firm of choice. If hiring a rock star integrator is in your future, go to www.keystonesearch.com to download more information or give them a call. Keystone Search is here to help you. John, I see that in the session room. My like my indicator um, is typically tied to I guess it's the fifth bullet point there about being secure because when you see somebody in a context of a leadership conversation where we're supposed to be elevating ourselves outside of ourselves right this mm-hmm. isn't about me and the role that I sit in and the work that I'm doing this is about the organization like for this conversation we are all shareholders designing the future working the issues for the company. When you see somebody who has a defensive nature, you're like, that's my like, oh, okay, I know where you're at. It's okay, you know, but but that's that's kind of the gauge. I don't know if that's right or wrong, but that that to me is always a signal that that person has some work to do. You're exactly right, Benj. You're you're exactly right, and and your your insight is touching into how being inwardly sound and others focused connects with and correlates to what we do as leaders. See, being inwardly sound and others focused is about who we are as people. And what we do as leaders is all the other stuff of pursuing vision and driving culture and thinking strategically and unleashing motivation. Mm -hmm. And so 
part of what I love about the the interplay between the inwardly sound and others focused and system and soul, for instance, is that when the more inwardly sound and others focused we are, the more effective we will be at things like clarifying our vision and thinking strategically and getting out of our own way and truly collaborating with others for the sake of what we're up to as an organization. And, and my, my, my experiences over time with leaders have suggested to me that when the system isn't working, oftentimes the roots of that or the seeds of why it's not working have less to do with, we're not sure what the right strategy is. It has more to do with what's happening on the inside of yeah. the leaders around the table. They can't get to the right answer. Right. Yeah. If my, my coach has some saying, I'm going to mess it up, but it's, it's something to the effect of the majority of the issues in the business are a reflection of the heart of the leader. Man, that's mm -hmm. a good word. That's a, I mean, that's, that's a convicting word. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Cause I've got a business too, and it has issues. <laughs> right. So if inwardly sound is, is being self-aware and, and how you affect others, what it seems kind of obvious, others focused, mm -hmm. but what's the deeper meaning behind that? Yeah. So let me tell you what it's not, and then I'll clarify what it is. You know, and, and we're really particular about words. And so inwardly sound, if you're going to have a correlative to that, you might think outwardly focused. But outwardly focused might have us start to think about being customer focused or whatever. Mm. That that's not what we mean by others focused. Of course, of course, customers could be some of the others we're focused on, but we mean an others focused person. Meaning, um, we we think that we believe that that starts with being humble. And, and C.S. Lewis, the the great thinker and writer who has passed away a number of years ago, had a really beautiful way of talking about humility. He said it's not thinking less of yourself; it's thinking of yourself less. So others focused is really having your focus on the other people around you. Um, and so the, the way that we talk about that is being humble first. That's where it starts. It's like the doorway. If you can't have an, a, a genuine appreciation for every person you ever encounter, even people you don't like and even people who don't like you, it's very difficult to be others focused. So humble and then attentive, curious, empathic. And loving. Now, that one has a lot of people like bristle and they go, I don't know about this. Um, the word that we actually use there is a Greek word that's called agapon. And Greeks had four words to talk about love. We have one, talks about that's how we talk about our wives, and we talk about ice cream with the same word, you know. <laughs> but the Greeks kind of broke it up. And the word they use, agapon, connotes the idea of unconditional love. And so what we mean by that, the way we define it, is doing what is in the other person's best interest with or without their knowledge consistently over time, unconditionally. And anytime I'm in a room of leaders and they're pushing back on this idea of love, I go, how many of you would like to follow a person of whom that, that, that statement is true? Yeah. Every end in the room. It's like, man, if I was following somebody like that, holy cow, that would be a difference maker in our, in my life and in our organization. So, anyway. so I, I'm, I'm kind of going all over the place in my head here. So sure. I, I'm, I've got a really interesting thought here. When, when I look at the two out of the 10, right, these two specifically and their definitions, and I'm, I'm asking myself, am I exhibiting 
some of this behavior in, in my inner town, others focused? I think so, but I'm also 56. Mm-hmm. I'm also like starting a sixth by sixth company. I like I've been around the block, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm thinking the younger version of me has no clue about inwardly sound or others focus. Mm-hmm. Even through when I think of some of my formal training I've had through Motorola, just I think that you kind of have to have some miles under your feet to get to this point or or am i wrong can a younger leader really be in tune with these two and understand them and so much so that they live them let me let me pile on to that question i'm thinking all right if i am <laughs> if we think about the typical leader that and maybe this is the prototypical leader not the actual typical leader but you think about people that are whatever assessment you want to use they're high d they're quick start, they're yeah. red, they're Enneagram seven, eight, you know, you pick your thing, but they're drivers, right? And it's like, John Ott, screw you, I don't have time for this. Give me three bullet points on one of those other, any of any of those other eight. Like, because I can go, I can go do something. Exactly. Like, yes. You just told me I need to be inwardly sound. I don't know what to do with that. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, here's a question back for you. Uh, when you think about what it is to be inwardly sound and others focused, just what you know right now, when is somebody fully and finally inwardly sound? Never. 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 So the journey. It is It is a journey. Absolutely. Well, I mean, and, and what you've just said there, Chris, because the question I was about to ask you is, so if, if you never get there, why try? Why start? Uh, it's not about the end. Yeah. It's about the journey. Growth, it is about the journey. Right? Inter- it is about internal growth. There's no one, think of you, you, if we sat here and thought about who's the most inwardly sound and who's the most others focused person I've ever known in my life, is it possible that that person could be more inwardly sound and more others focused? I mean, okay. I think of my mother, mm-hmm. and the, I mean, the way she raised us eight boys. Mm-hmm. Um, I think of, I think of some good bosses that I've really had who um, maybe I didn't know they might be inwardly sound or others focused, but they never, they, they like, they trained me. They gave me a level of authority. They got out of my way. Yeah. And I did my thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I used to wonder, gosh, I don't communicate like that much with my boss, but, but maybe what I was experiencing was a boss who was like, they got it. They're sound on the inside and mm-hmm. they're just, you're doing your thing, Chris. I'm going to make sure I give you the, the the necessary tools, resources, time and attention, but I'm pretty much going to stay out of your way. Yeah. Interesting. And, and even those folks could become a little more inwardly sound than others focus. All I'm meaning to say there is that this is, this is a journey. It's a lifelong thing. So if it's a journey for everybody, it's a journey for everybody. And so the, the, one of the things I love about the insight that the data showed us is that it's not about what your temperament is. And we can get into this another time because we, it was uh, Vanessa inspected all of these different facets. Is it about your temperament? Is it about your education? Is it about your gender, your tenure? tenure? Uh, is it about where you live in the country? Is it about all of the things? And, and the, the, the data kept saying, no, it's not about any of those. So the great news is if you're an eight on the Enneagram, if you're a high D, if you're an introvert, if you're an extrovert, if you're a man or a woman, if you're a person of any ethnicity, 
what the data tells us is your very best chance of being an exceptional leader is being more inwardly sound and others focused. In other words, it's you being a better version of you. You don't need to be anybody else. You need to become more inwardly sound and others focused. So a really, really, go ahead. It's it's not about experience. It's about choice, right? Like when I get 100% right. I dial myself back to my early entrepreneurial years and the type of leader I was, but but so that just that that really crystallized it for me because because it's a journey and we're all on this journey different points along the way but if our mindset it's that choice right if we make mm-hmm. that choice if we know these two attributes are what make up a great leader then it doesn't matter what age you are you are you're exactly right and Chris I'm so glad you used the word choice in, in part because a deep conviction that we have, and part of the reason we named our business Exceptional Leaders is that it's really about common people choosing to be uncommon leaders. Right. It's choosing. Right. And so how do you do that? Well, it is a lifelong journey. And a really, really simple way to start is to take the terms that we use to define being inwardly sound. Another. In, in fact, how about this? It's even simpler than that. You can simply take the word inwardly sound and the words others focused. You can write those down and you, whoever's listening to this right now, you can write down for yourself what you think that means. And then ask yourself, what's a part of being inwardly sound or others focused that I think I could be a little bit better at? Mm-hmm. What if I could be 5% more inwardly sound? 5% more others focused? What's the one thing that if I gave some attention to it might help me that might help those things be more true of me? Anybody can start there. That's right. You don't have to hire me as a coach. You don't have to hire anybody as a coach. You don't have to read another book if you don't want to, but just keep asking yourself those questions. Now, certainly you can do all those things if you want to, but it, there's nobody stopping you from being more inwardly sound and others focused. So this sounds like a, a perfect time to go back to my first curiosity if, if we do that exercise, which I want to encourage everybody to do, what is the 5%, you know, by the end of this year where I could grow my sense of being inwardly sound that leads us to the personal formation and John, how do people change? Well, that's a good question, Benj. Um, once again, that's a, the, the question, this is one of the things I love about the questions is that the question itself is super simple and the exploration of it will provide more than a lifetime of discovery. Um, one one quick side note, um, I'm going to share with you guys the just a little one pager that's got the terms that define being inwardly sound and others focused. And if there's a way that you want to share that yeah, sure. with we'll your listeners, yeah, no, and, and they can like go through there and, and use it almost like a heat map. That's, that's one of the things that I do is I look at it from time to time and go, which one of these jumps out at me is like, hmm, needs a little attention. Right on. Okay. So anyway, back to the question of how people change. Um. A question I love to ask leaders is think about where you were 10 years ago today. Think about who you were 10 years ago today. And then what are the things that have contributed to you being a different person now than you were then? And you could you could take this and do this reflection for yourself. I, I invite you to do it. It's something we do when we get groups of leaders together. We do this and it's a really fun 
meaningful interaction. And so people chart out all kinds of stuff, you know? And then we, we, we kind of take that and um, categorize it in terms of what are the things that cause people to grow and change. And, and what we've identified is, and I can share this with you too, is a little diagram and people can check this out uh, and reflect on it and see to what extent do they think it's true. That fundamentally, um, there are a few things that contribute to the growth and development of people. First one is um, the things that we think about. And essentially, what's the mental map of the world that we carry around? What's our mental map of the nature of reality? Because everything we do is in response to what we believe is true about the nature of life. Yeah. If we didn't think it was going to get us the, the outcomes that we were aiming for, we wouldn't do it. Right. And it's based on that mental model of what is true. So with the things that we think about result in the actions that we take. And then um, we tend to hang out with people who think and act the way that we do. And then we spend a lot of time thinking and acting and relating along those lines. And we tend to do that unless and until a disruption enters our lives. And that disruption can be something positive or negative. It could be that we win the lottery or that somebody we love dies or that we got a promotion or a demotion. Okay, so how do people change? The way that we work with the way that we work with ourselves and the way that we work with others to initiate meaningful change is that we intervene by offering new things to think about, new insights that help to shape that mental model to something that's actually more accurate and reflective of the nature of reality. The second thing we do is we give people new things to try, new activities to engage in. Because there's sometimes, there's a guy named Andy Stanley who a lot of folks, uh, or who, who people have heard teach before. And he says, to understand why, submit and apply. In other words, sometimes we, we act ourselves into a new way of thinking as opposed to thinking ourselves into a new way of acting. Another way that we intervene is we, we have a different group of people that we hang out with. So who are people who are thinking and acting differently or who, or who are trying to? That's a tremendous way to initiate change. So it's the power of meaningful relationship. And then all of that takes time. It takes time. We, we believe that lasting change happens over time, not overnight. That, that change happens in biological time, not technological time. That we as people are biological in nature and it takes us time to change. So those are the things that we believe contribute to meaningful change. That, that probably sounds really conceptual and high level um, and not very practical uh, for certain folks. Uh, but I, I, we can get into more of the granularity of how that actually works, but that's. Well, to answer, you know, when you first have poised the question, like when you think back on your life, what, uh, what has caused you to change? I just saw my notepad, I wrote down heat. Like, and you think about that, like steel gets forged with, it changes when you heat it yes. up and it's really hard life events. Yes. are the things that have grown me and changed me and forced me to think different, forced mm -hmm. me to try things when I didn't know what would work, right? Forced me to have conversations with people that I might not have otherwise. So like I wrote down heat and then you kept talking and I'm like, oh my goodness, all of these factors go in, into the heat, you know? So That's right. <laughs> That's right. And they push us outside of our comfort zone. And that's, that's where the, that's where the magic happens. 
is being just outside of our comfort zone. Yeah, yeah. Muhammad Ali said, "If your if your dreams don't scare you, they're not big enough." <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a good word. <laughs> that's a good word. So, John, for the sake of time, mm-hmm. um, I literally feel like I could hang out with you all day. I know this. No, this I do too, guys. Thank there's, you. So, there's a there, there there's a comeback. I'm telling you right now, Johnny, you're coming back, baby. <laughs> it sounds great, man. I'd love it. Thank well, you. I've got good news for for everybody listening out there. Um, we are at the beginning of a long relationship with exceptional leaders, uh, with John and his team, uh, as it relates to system and soul, you know, we have, when we look at the, the people component of our, our model and we look at what's made up there and, you know, the word leadership's right there. And we've said since the beginning, 80% how you lead yourself and nothing resonates with that more than being inwardly sound and others focused. So, um, you know, this is going to be a, a long, long relationship. But if people can't wait to get more, um, tell them, give us a little bit how you, what it looks like to work with you or, you know, your organization. Um, mm-hmm. How do you engage with people? Yeah, so uh, there's there's really two primary ways that we engage with, with um, leaders. It's either as individuals through the form of executive coaching or it's with teams through the form of cohort-based team development. Um, There's nothing that we do with leaders in the form of coaching or cohorts uh, that is less than nine months. It's it's all longer form, again, because lasting change happens over time, not overnight. Um, So, you know, executive coaching looks like working with the the leader and no surprise. Um, Of course, we're looking at what is going on in the leader's life, but we're also looking at who the leader is. And uh, all of our approach, whether it's individual or cohort-based, is rooted in this idea of integral development for leaders. And what integral development means is that we don't work with just a topic or just an issue. We work with the whole person. Because how we do anything is how we do everything as people. And so, uh, you know, if there's a particular issue, like I, I, was, I was working with a company and, and, uh, and they, they had an issue that they did in, a, in an IDS session where they identified that they are an interrupt-driven organization. And so we get into that and we start plotting out what are all the issues related to that. And we say, well, what are the root causes of that? And what it came back to, and I admire these two leaders uh, for their humility and their self-awareness and their being secure people to allow their team to speak in this way. The team came back around and identified these two key leaders. One of them is the visionary and the other one is a key influencer on the team. That They are the ones who seem to be interrupt driven. And we dig into that, like what's going on there? And it comes down to they are both afraid of disappointing their clients. Well, now all of a sudden it's like, well, okay, so what's what's underneath that? Yeah. And that's what we get into in the coaching relationship is what is underneath that that has you afraid to disappoint your clients? Can we see if we can identify that? Because if we can get down into that together and start to um, start to to give you greater freedom as a leader from whatever that is, not only are you going to address the interrupt-driven nature of your organization, that's going to be a tide that floats all boats in every area of your life. I guarantee you that's showing up, not just at work, but at home. And it's right not on. just showing up in this way. It's showing up in a lot of ways. So it's, it's, um, it's becoming 
more inwardly sound and others focused for the sake of everything that matters to you, not the least of which is the commercial success of your organization. So, um, and when we're doing the work, it, we're going to offer you new things to think about. We're going to offer you new people to interact with. We're going to offer you new actions to try. Right. Uh, and we're going to walk with you and be present with you along the way. Sentiment soul. I know you enjoyed John and I know that, you know, leaders that could benefit from listening to this last half hour conversation. So be a great friend and pass this on to somebody. Uh, John's information and the, uh, the note cards that he was talking about will be in the show notes. And we will look forward to seeing you next week for more System and Soul.